A cemetery, a special grave, a Universal Exports helicopter being flown by remote control, chasing down a bald man in a wheelchair, and down he goes! All right, fly with us through the pre-title and title sequences of the James Bond movie for your eyes only. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzato. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Subscribe to our show right now. We'll wait. Ha <laughs> ha, thanks. All right, let's go. This is one of the most poignant pre-title sequences of any Bond movie and <laughs> one of the most ridiculous <laughs> at the same time. And like Goldfingers, it really had nothing to do with the rest of the movie or the mission. So, you said poignant? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree with the ridiculous part. Yeah. Maybe the first minute of it's poignant, maybe. Yeah. But then forget about it. <laughs> yeah. It's... Agree. Agree. The pre-title sequence is poles apart in style from the sublime to the sublime. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I, I agree. I think... <laughs> It goes from something that could have really been great to, what the hell are you doing? Anyway, there's, there's some great acting here going on. I love Topol. He was terrific. And Carol Bouquet, who I loved as Havelock. So a couple of great actors there. All right. Yes, and it's, it's a much darker film to that of its fantastical predecessor in Moonraker oh, yeah. from 1979. Bond very much has his feet back on the ground in this one. Well, except for the pre-title. Yeah. 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 Well, he, but then the movie itself, like you say, is very well grounded. Well, you see, well, you see his feet on the ground here in the beginning. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> that's how good they are. All right. After the opening gun barrel sequence, the gun barrel circle crosses the screen and opens up onto a graveyard. A long shot. So again, great for a second. We're left wondering where are we? Why a graveyard? And who might be buried there of interest? This. I think is great because we're thinking and we're wondering about what the heck's going on in just a few seconds here. It's terrific. So looking closely though, we see that someone is moving in the distance in the background on the left. Hmm. Now we're a bit more intrigued. Who is in the graveyard visiting whose gravesite? Our wonders peaked again by the next shot of the legs of a suited man, we presume it's a man, holding a bunch of red roses, a dozen to be exact, in his right hand taking several strides. Finally, the feet turn towards a gravestone, and we can now read the gravestone he is approaching. Tom, this is the poignant part. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> after this, we get it. <laughs> the gravestone says, Teresa Bond, 1943 to 1969, beloved wife of James Bond. We have all the time in the world. Uh, mm. Well, yeah. this is the first time since Tracy Bond was killed just after the wedding on Her Majesty's Secret Service in 1969 that we see this site, yeah. an absolute direct reference to James Bond's past and his marriage to Tracy de Vincenzo Draco's daughter. When I first saw this, it gave me chills, it shocked me, and it took me by surprise. Yeah, me too. And I love the callback to the previous Bond mission, significant storyline, and his definitive marriage a while back in 1969 to Tracy. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and that was a really nice touch. Yeah. And I like the fact that they got the year right. Yeah. Right, yeah. because 1969 is when Majesties was released and yeah. then Tracy then died. But something bothers me about this gravestone. Uh-huh. So in the capitalization of the phrase, we have all the time in the world, is it trying to tell us something? Well. Because they only have the W's capitalized. They have it on we and they have it on world. Yeah. Everything in between is not. 
Mm-hmm. Now, from a biblical sense, maybe you would capitalize the W, but the title of the song has the We Have All Time and World capitalized. Yeah. So is this a message or is it just, are they doing a biblical <laughs> thing with the capital W? I'm not sure if I'm missing something. No, there. he's not referring to all of the song, of course, all the time of the world. He's referring to him saying it all the time of the world, but the world might be capitalized for that reason. However... I think there is a significant message here, and it's coming up. The flowers are gently and carefully placed in front of the gravestone, with the flowers facing the stone. Now, that's a bit odd. Maybe you would lay them across widthwise of the grave as kind of more aesthetically pleasing placement of the flowers. So this is kind of odd, but they're placed flowers towards the stone. Two roses touch the gravestone. One touches the word we, and on the left, of we have all the time in the world, and the other points to the word all. Now, this is either an accident <laughs> or a very clever... Yes, it would be, no, it would be an accident. No, or a very clever hidden message of how Bond looked at his relationship with Tracy. The flowers frame the words, we have all, and makes us think back to Honor Majesty's Secret Service and how much James Bond loved Tracy and how they had it all this is brilliant it's a powerful (laughs) hidden message here and at the same time and this is the same bond from 1969 as vicky said and he misses his wife with whom he had it all and i and i thought i was nuts for looking at the capitalization (laughs) (laughs) i'm really i'm really doubting there was a message there i mean because if there was going to be a message it would be on we and time because the time was the thing that he was talking about that was the important part of it we have all the time no 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 i think this is a good message here here. i'm gonna give them some credit i'm gonna give the writer some credit here that's a really writer that would be direction if not (laughs) they should listen to us and put this kind of stuff in more films all right (laughs) wow so the camera finally pans back and we see a priest running and we see now for sure that this is James Bond at the grave. Yeah. Wow. What a start to for your eyes only. Yeah. All right. The priest tells Bond that he's glad that he caught him and that his office called and said that they're sending a helicopter to pick him up. Some sort of emergency to which Bond says there usually is. So now note Bond is looking emotionally down at Tracy's grave as the priest approaches him. His concentration is broken by the priest saying, Mr. Bond, Mr. Bond, and you can see Bond take one long blink when interrupted, turning his attention now to the minister as he listens. And then Bond says, again, there usually is, thank you. And his gaze returns to the grave for one last solemn moment. So this, this is kind of neat. Yeah. His, his connection with Bond's past, his murdered wife, and the emotion Bond still feels is very powerful here. And it's in only a few seconds that this is accomplished. So. This is so easy to miss, but ties together a lot from Bond's past to the present moment. And it's really a brilliant moment in the pre-title. Mm. Maybe the only brilliant moment <laughs> in the pre-title. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I do think it's great when they call back to Bond's other movies or missions like this. Yeah, I do. We don't get it often. And as long as it's not an arc like the Daniel Craig movies, which got them into trouble, it's nice to see this continuity because it is James Bond throughout. It's the same person, even though it might be a different actor. They're playing the character of James Bond. So having some of this continuity is really nice to see. And it's not continuity of just, oh, we've got M and Q and whatever. It's 
we're, we're talking about events that shaped Bond's life. So I really yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, a little continuity is fine. Just don't create one long story arc or you will end up in a mess. As we saw in the Daniel Craig's Bond arc. <laughs> yes, mm. I agree. All right. So now this makes us wonder, wow, did everyone know James Bond was going to visit Tracy's grave? <laughs> yeah, smart blood in him. This is the kind of stuff that drives me crazy in this movie because you're not paying attention to this part, right? I mean, MI6 is calling the cemetery asking the priest to run out and catch Bond before he leaves so he can deliver this message anyway, to him. Columbo always told headquarters where he was going so they could always call the person and find Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I doubt that Bond, who breaks a lot of rules, does that. But, who knows? And I'm sure maybe the priest knows Bond from having maybe he, he visited the gravesite before. And really, Bond was walking through that covered passageway that leads to the church and that's where the priest runs from so maybe he was in there talking to him earlier too i'll give some slack on that that okay maybe the priest knows him but the <laughs> someone calling the graveyard to let him know hey go go tell bond <laughs> there's yeah, so no, now for me all of this seemed like it flowed very nicely yeah in the <laughs> sequence but when you think about it, it is a bit odd uh -huh. because when we find out perhaps it was not MI6 sending the helicopter or someone else knew MI6 <laughs> was selling the helicopter, what, what way was this? As we know, it gets commandeered by someone bald. Remotely, yeah. And <laughs> now, yeah. now it's, it's also possible that the helicopter pilot was a you know an mi6 pilot and because maybe he wasn't in on it yeah this whole thing is when you look at it and think about it and spend some time on it is a little crazy because yeah. if it's not mi6 sending the helicopter then the enemy knows bonds at the graveside at this particular time and so on yeah, that's and, what i was trying to say yeah, yeah. and if it's yeah. an mi6 helicopter then someone else got to the helicopter rigged it and <laughs> rewired it so it could be flown remotely by uh, it's 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 kind of nuts. <laughs> In a couple of lines, yeah, the hell they're sending a helicopter for you. I mean, yeah, it flows nicely, but when you stop and think about it, it's a little crazy. All right. Well, so, that's why that's why I think it was a helicopter that was rigged, and that the pilot was actually working for MI6. Yeah, but that's not true because we'll find out later that he's a disposable kind of guy. He wasn't a very important guy for the quote unquote Blofeld bald guy <laughs> we're gonna find out right so that's gonna be wrong Tom. all right so we hear the helicopter and it's approaching and as bond hears it and a universal export helicopter lands in the field right next to the cemetery and bond hears it yeah and the location of the cemetery st joel's church in stoke pogues in buckinghamshire in england it's a short distance away from the Stoke Park Club used in the iconic golfing scene featured in Goldfinger yeah. in 1964 and as a double interior for a Hamburg hotel in Tomorrow Never Dies in 1997. Right, right, right. Now, Tom and I have been to this very graveyard. We walked right where Bond walked and stood right at what we thought would have been Tracy's grave. Of course, there is no headstone there for Tracy in real life because it really is a cemetery and real people are buried there. And all was shot on location here, including the helicopter landing, which landed in the field right next to the church, right next to the graveyard. We saw the field and the trees as well, and it pretty much looks exactly like it did then. So it's kind of mm -hmm. cool. All right, when we visited, we were respectful, of course, of the actual grave sites, but you could actually really find 
due to the low cement dividers they have on the, on the ground and so on that are raised and have features on them, you could pretty much find exactly where Tracy's grave was. And it's a beautiful location, solemn because it is real, but it's also an excellent Bond filming location to find and to visit. Terrific. I loved it. Mm. Okay, so let's get back to the pre-title sequence. So as the helicopter is landing and Bond is looking up at it, he returns his eyes to the grave and looks a bit annoyed that his moment with Tracy has been interrupted. His forehead is wrinkled up in thought while his eyes say, oh, some great acting by Roger Moore. And again, it is a brief but meaningful couple of seconds. So have a look out for it. Now, Bond walks to the field where the helicopter has landed. Bond gets into the helicopter is instructed to buckle up yeah. and they take off. <laughs> I just love the way the pilot motioned to yeah. bond a buckled seatbelt. Yeah. That just cracks me up every time I see it. Yeah, it's natural. You know. It's like, hey. Ooh, don't forget and to it, click. <laughs> and again, Bond's eyes look back at the graveyard. We see the minister or priest making the sign of the cross as a blessing for Bond as he takes off makes you wonder what evil will befall Bond. Yeah, yeah the priest was doing yeah. that really slowly, and it yeah. kind of made me feel like the priest was in on it, that he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. It kind yeah. of had a last rites feel to me, like, you know, goodbye. And yeah. It was, yeah. It was yeah. I mean, in one sense, it's natural. A priest, hey, you're going to bless you and so on. But it did make you think that, hey, this helicopter might explode any second now or something because uh, it was a very slow blessing and methodical. And Bond is kind of looking, thinking, what the hell is he doing that for? <laughs> All right. Yep, the, the priest was in on the plot. Oh, and why would he make that sign? And maybe he was forced into something he could not get out of? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't believe the priest was in on the plot. <laughs> However, is it possible it's Bond. Anything is possible. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine yeah. a, a, one day maybe Bond would die in a film? I, I know. It's possible. It's possible. So I'm saying anything's possible. Maybe the Well, priest. they show him dying in a lot of pre-titles. <laughs> yeah. He dies often. <laughs> I mean, you only live twice. Right. Anyway, so, yeah, maybe maybe the priest was in that. But I, I don't think so. I think the priest was just there. Hey, well, bless you. I'm blessing all my people. Thank you for coming and probably contributing something to the church. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> oh, okay. So the helicopter takes off successfully. Didn't blow up. Nice. And the next shot we see is a hand rubbing a white cat with a diamond necklace. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Now, we have seen enough of this in previous Bond movies. So who could that possibly be? Blofeld? Okay, hang on, Dan. Yeah. His next yeah. bit here is Ian Productions' way of saying up yours to Kevin McClory. <laughs> and we talked about this okay. in our podcast, Thunderball Part 1, that yeah. we released in July of 2020, and also in our Spy Movies and Real Worlds Connections Part 1, which we released in October of 2020. Yeah. If we remember, Kevin McClory and Jack Whittingham worked with Fleming on what became Thunderball. Yeah. Well, when Fleming turned it into a novel in 1961, which was before the movie came out, he didn't credit McClory or Whittingham, who helped him on the screenplay, which was actually getting done first. Yeah. This caused a huge lawsuit that ended up with McClory ending up with the literary and film rights to Thunderball. So that's the main part of that. Now, one which of the offshoots... Why, uh, of- McClory is credited as the producer of Thunderball. And Cubby Broccoli and Salzman are not. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, w- one of the offshoots of this was that Spectre and Blofeld were being claimed by McClory 
who threatened more legal actions saying that E.M. Productions and Ian Fleming didn't have the rights to use the name Blofeld or Spectre. Now, this has been a little confusing because nothing I've read about this is 100% consistent. True. Some people say that Fleming and Eon lost the rights to Blofeld in that lawsuit, where other people say that they didn't technically lose the rights, but McClory was threatening more legal action, so they decided to kill Blofeld off so <laughs> that, in either case, Eon wouldn't have to mess with it going forward. Okay. And they killed him off by not calling him Blofeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely didn't call him Blofeld in this movie. Yeah, Eon didn't get the rights back for Blofeld and Spectre, until just before they made the movie Spectre. Okay. Now, if you want to learn a lot more about what happened here, I suggest you read Robert Seller's book, The Battle for Bond. It's an okay. excellent read. Okay, since they were unsure about the rights to Blofeld, they kill him off. So they did that because then McClory was going to be in the position of, would he bring him back from the dead? Mm -hmm. Because if the people who knew James Bond saw that Blofeld died, McClory, of course, couldn't bring him back from the dead. Sure, without even calling him Blofeld. There was enough uh, implication in for your eyes only with the bald head and the cat that, hey, someone watching might think that's Blofeld. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In production, just killed off James Bond. I mean, I guess you can bring anyone back from the dead. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's also a callback here to why Fran Sanchez has a diamond necklace on his iguana in License to Kill. Uh, okay. So yeah. the white cat with the diamond necklace showed up in Diamonds Are Forever and is also in this movie, For Your Eyes Only. The necklace wasn't on the earlier white cats in the Bond movies before Diamonds Are Forever. Mm -hmm. So then we've got a new animal, if you will, that the villain has in this he had the the iguana, so he's got the diamond necklace on it. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, in, 1989, that was. Yeah. Right, so these those three movies all kind of have this, this feel to it. Yeah. So this bald guy, as the camera pans back, we see this bald guy. We're not going to call him the B name, <laughs> other than bald. <laughs> now, IMDb actually lists him as Aaron Stavro Blofeld, by the way. Yeah, I know. It's not yeah. in the credits, but IMDb does. Yeah, right. So we see this guy, bald guy, with a cat on his lap, a neck brace around his neck. Of course, that's the best place to put a neck brace. And, <laughs> and some type of wheelchair with an electronic unit in front of him with two screens, a joystick and controls. Wow. Yeah, I do like that remote control. I mean, it's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, it might not really have been doing what they were saying it was doing, but it was a pretty cool gadget there. I like that. Yeah. All right, as he pushes the controls, we see the pilot on Bond's helicopter on the right screen and the general aerial shot, perhaps where the helicopter is, on the left screen as this bald guy is watching. We see the helicopter... When you say on the left and right screen, you're talking about on the control unit itself. On the control unit that the bald guy is in in the wheelchair thing. So we see the helicopter flying above the Thames near Westminster, I think, with the pilot in the pilot seat and Bond in the rear seat. Now... Now, this pilot was played by an actor named George Sweeney. So if you ever go to a trivia con a James Bond trivia contest, George Sweeney played the helicopter pilot. There you go. Yes, yes. To all the UK listeners, George Sweeney is well known for playing Speed in the UK sitcom Citizen Smith during the 1970s. Huh. We see so little of him here that it is hard to make that connection sometimes. Yeah, there you go. So when the bald guy presses another button, the pilot's earphones electrocute him and we assume <laughs> he's dead bond sees that's why this. i think he worked for mi6 
Yeah. But, but he, he's going to say later that he did not work for MI6, Tom. So it's, he's, he's, a, he's a bald guy, man. <laughs> so the pilot's here. No, I mean the like, pilot. Yeah, he's a pilot. He is a pilot. So Bond sees this, and now he's trapped in the rear. Ah, uh-huh. all right, all right. We remember the minister blessing Bond as he took off. Okay. He's going to need rights. the blessing now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trouble, of course, you know, right here in River City. <laughs> All right. We hear a laugh come over the speaker in the helicopter as the helicopter seems to be being flown via remote control. The, mm-hmm. the voice says, good afternoon, Mr. Bond. Don't concern yourself with the pilot. One of my less useful people. See, Tom? One uh, of my okay. People. All right. Hey, he's his guy. All right. So this is not an MI6 helicopter, or if it was, they got to it and rigged it ahead of time so i i don't know so okay i'll give it to you now okay gotcha. <laughs> right. so but it is Man. being flown remote control which mm. is kind of neat you know we have toys for that but here's a real copter being flown remote control yeah so, so. the helicopter is being flown remotely by the bald guy yeah. and it's approaching some type of industrial facility yeah. this was filmed at beckton gasworks in east london which was being demolished at the time. Now, this location has been seen in many different films and TV shows, most notably Stanley Kubrick's 1987 film Full Metal Jacket, where it substituted for Vietnam. I love movie magic. We as a viewer think we are in one place, but really, we are nowhere near it. Yeah, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Yep. All right. Anyway, I digress. The situation is looking bad for Bond, yeah. and this could be the end of the franchise. Yep. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. You mean they're going to kill Bond in a pre-title sequence? We've never seen that happen before. No, I mean, I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. All right. So Bond is trapped in the back of the helicopter, much like he was trapped in the back of the plane in You Only Live Twice, by Olga Brandt, as she would parachute out to safety, leaving Bond to die in the plane. Not! Okay. Bond gets out of that trap, gets control of the plane, and lands it, saving his life. What will Bond do here? Oh, man. All right. Bond has a little more time in the helicopter, since it is being controlled for the pretty much a long time remotely. So, once again... Oh, so, though, wait. So, wait. Let me stop yeah. you for a second. So, if it's being controlled remotly, is it kind of like today uh, a version of what today we would call a drone? It is kind of a <laughs> drone. Yeah, yeah, you know. Drone, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, here, uh, once again, though, <laughs> just like in You Only Live Twice and many other Bond movies, an elaborate way to kill Bond, right? <laughs> Man, just shoot him. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or, you know, maybe have like 150,000 missiles fall on them. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, Bond, realizing the situation, climbs out of the he- helicopter as the voice warns him it's a long way down. <laughs> Bond knows somehow he must get control of the helicopter, but how? Okay. You have Bond trapped in the back. He cannot get from the back seat to the front. And the plan is to kill Bond. So why aren't the doors locked as well? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I kind of wondered that too. And then I wondered, wait, do helicopter doors even have locks on them? I don't, I don't I would know. Think okay, would, so but... I knew you were going to ask this, Dan. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I bet you looked it question, up. <laughs> and so I looked it up. Right. So it was actually hard to nail down because it depends on the helicopter whether or not they're going to have oh. door locks. 
<laughs> some helicopters don't even have doors. Yeah. And some don't have keys because technically they don't need a key to start. In fact, in a lot of movies, when they get in, there's no key. They just hit all the buttons and you have to get through the sequence to get it right. Okay. Now, okay. the U.S. Army requires a key to start now, but you don't turn it. It just needs to be inserted. Mm-hmm. And they added that in 1974 during Richard Nixon's presidency. A U.S. Army private stole a helicopter from a military base and landed it on the south lawn of the White House. Oops, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> he, he got into quite a bit of trouble for that one. Yeah, I would imagine. All right, so the helicopter in the pre-title sequence here in For Your Eyes Only is a Bell 206B Jet Ranger 2. Yeah. I'm sure you knew that. I was thinking that. <laughs> um, it's one of the most popular helicopters ever made. Later in the movie, we've got General Gogol in a different helicopter, and I'm not going to try to say its name. Anyway, I found locks for the baggage area of this helicopter, but even looking at the manual, I don't show a you, lock you for the, at the door. Manual. Yeah. I'm sorry? You looked at the manual? Yes, I looked at the manual. <laughs> okay. right. It doesn't show a lock. <laughs> All right. I researched. All right, so Bond struggles to open the door here, and it could be because of one of two things. First, if Blofeld was remotely controlling the helicopter, he probably could have added a lock if he wanted to. Okay. All right. But Bond does get the door open, so that's not likely what happened here. Now, according to a website, airvectors.net, the hinged doors on the 206B weren't suited to be open in flight. Yeah. It, just, it just wasn't designed to do that, which is why Bond struggled here. It wasn't that the door was locked. Now, Dan, I took uh, that Wow, yeah, well, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad I asked that. And if anyone uh, out there... <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to know more about that. Please email Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Yikes. at SpyMovieNavigator.com. <laughs> All right. As the helicopter is being flown very precisely near structures, chimneys, everything, it's like the ultimate remote control toy, really. It's kind of <laughs> cool. Remote control airways, as the bald man says. All right. As we were wondering why the bald man just didn't crash the helicopter and kill Bond... We're all wondering that. We always wonder that. Just kill him. Well, he gives us an answer here. We've often wondered this, right? So, we hear his voice say, I've looked forward to this moment, Mr. Bond. I intend to enjoy it to the full. Hey, there you go. There's our answer as to why he didn't just kill him. He wants just to, shoot him. He it's a lot to, more efficient. That's to drag this yeah. out. It's kind of like, you know, Red Grant wasn't going to just kill Bond. He was going to shoot him a few times before he actually mm-hmm. died, right? So he wants to see this. These villains, they like that kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Well, it's not a bad scene yet. But, of course, we think <laughs> yeah. the bald guy is Blofeld. We have to. Yeah. The white cat, the brace on his neck that we saw he had on in Honor Majesty's Secret Service yeah. from catching his head on the tree branches during the bobsled chase. Yeah. Sure. And that was in 1969. And this is 1981. So he has waited 12 years and still had the brace on his neck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He needs a better medical team. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> no, indeed. See, <laughs> let me laugh. I don't know. I didn't get this neck brace here. Uh, it's a different brace than the one that he was wearing at the end of On Her Majesty's Secret Service uh, when he was driving the it. car. You, you could change braces, Tom. Killed Tracy. <laughs> However, he didn't have a neck brace on in the next movie. Remember, yeah. there was a movie in between here. Yeah. Right? And Diamonds Are Forever. Yes, so, and he had hair. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. had hair. Yeah. So uh, unless, of course, he needed one after Bond slammed the bathos sub thing into the oil rig and the rig blew up. Yeah. You know, that was yeah. Charles Gray as Blofeld. They, they don't another. show him one with a neck brace and diamonds. Yeah. So would this have made more sense if 
for your eyes only was the next movie after majesties yeah but it just seems way out of just way out of line well it, it is a continuity problem and and sometimes james bond movies have a continuity issue <laughs> <You think? laughs> who would have ever guessed we'd see one of those in this movie <laughs> anyway for several minutes we are watching this remote-controlled helicopter do loop-to-loops and all kinds of maneuvers while Bond is trying to get into the cockpit and wrestle control away from the bald man. <laughs> Not Blofeld, <laughs> the bald man. There are a few moments where Bond is maybe 10 feet off the very platform where Mr. Bald Man is. And how about jumping? I mean, hey, I could jump out 10 feet take my chances or continue to do this and maybe get killed in the helicopter. Uh, too dangerous to jump to 10 feet, maybe. I don't know. Finally, Bond gets a hand in the cockpit, unfastens his pilot's seatbelt, tosses him out as the voice <laughs> says, Really? Have you no respect for the dead? Now, we have to recall that Bond just visited his wife's grave, showing respect for the dead. So this mm-hmm. line had to piss off Bond big time. Right? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. He hears this and he thinks, You son of a... so bond makes it into the helicopter and he hears the voice again over the speaker saying goodbye mr bond i trust you had a pleasant fright oh my god yeah and you wonder where mike myers came up with some of the stuff for dr evil in the austin powers movies yeah Yeah, that would have been so easy to write that movie i think (laughs) the austin powers was like oh my god uh so now the bald guy is flying the helicopter through a building now, Bond likes to fly through buildings. Mm. Yeah. In our next podcast on the next pre-title sequence, which will be on the movie Octopussy, yeah, he, he flies that, that small jet through a building. Yeah, yeah, he's good at that kind of thing. But no, he's not flying this one, though. But and So it's another great opportunity here, though, for Bond to jump out of the helicopter because maybe now he's only two or three feet above the ground. Hello, jump out, get out. You just took your chances high in the air balancing yourself. jump out so Bond sees some wires in the helicopter and he pulls them disconnecting (laughs) them and Mr. Bald Man loses control of the helicopter and Bond gains control okay all right we're thinking the pilot of this helicopter didn't notice these wires or if he saw them he didn't think they were out of place or whatever but Bond he hones in on them right away he realizes these wires might be associated with the remote control of the aircraft he pulls them out and voila hey bond is flying the helicopter now even though the pilot works for the bald man he should have known right but no no bond immediately knows yeah how did he know they were the right wires i mean it's kind of risky when you're in a helicopter to just pull some wires out while it's flying I'm i'm not sure there could possibly be something that goes wrong plus if it's remotely controlled and you pull the wires are you going to be able to take control? You have no idea. You have no idea. But Bond is so good at assessing things in split second. So he's good. So now he's flying the helicopter. He flies it out of the building. And here is where this really gets bad, I think. The expression on Bond's face is one of surprise that he was able to do this. So you're right, Tom. Even Bond maybe didn't know he could do this. He's like, holy crap. I got, I got control of this thing. He even rolls his eyes to the left with his mouth agape. Uh, but it really is a very immature, amateur look, almost like a child's grin or smirk. This just does not fit in here. When you're looking at this, freeze on that. 
those few frames, and you will think the same thing. It is Roger Moore doing a Roger Moore Bond thing. It I, really, I'm not sure. It looks like a sigh of relief to me, Dan. No, it just looks mm. so bad. So bad. I hated that scene. Like, oh, 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 oh geez. So the bald guy realizes he no longer controls the helicopter. And the cat screeches, which is a nice, nice touch. Yeah, I like and that. now things get really silly. Yeah. This is the stuff I hate in this era of yeah. movies. Yeah, it was getting bad uh, for a while, but now. So the wheelchair man at the controls is ra- racing his device down a long stretch, and Bond, smiling amusingly, chases him with the helicopter. Bond can somehow get a landing blade to spear the chair and lift the man and the chair up the platform <laughs> into the air. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, now, Vicky, right. I know you love cats. Now, did you notice yeah. when the cat jumped off the chair in the next frame, the cat's gone? Yes. Where did it go that quickly? <laughs> mm. Could it uh, be that good old continuity thing again? <laughs> well, it could be. Or, I mean, as you know, cats can be fast. So it did it just like skirt yeah. under something. I don't yeah, know. again, that whole yeah. smirk that Bond has on his face as he spears bald man's chair, which is supposedly Blofeld. Come on. You're thinking, Bond, that this is Blofeld who had your wife killed. And, yeah, so wait, let me stop you're, you. You're amused. Let me let me stop you. Now, you've been intimating that this bald guy is Blofeld throughout this episode. Yeah. Now, Ernest Stavro Blofeld was only bald in You Only Live Twice and On Her Majesty's Secret Service, where he was played by Donald Pleasance and Telly Savalas, respectively. So it could be a fashion thing. Yeah, so <laughs> we first see the back of Blofeld's not bald head, in from Russia with Love and and in Thunderball, he was just called number one in those movies. Yep. Now, if we go back to You Only Live Twice, they originally had Jan Wyrick as Blofeld. Now, I've read two different stories as to what happened. One was that he got sick just before they started filming, and they replaced him with Pleasance. However, the story I believe is that when they started filming with him, they ended up replacing him as they thought he didn't look menacing enough. Okay. Yes, and in one quote, they thought he looked like a poor, benevolent Santa Claus. I mean, that's harsh. <laughs> I'm glad they replaced him as Pleasance because he's my favorite Blofeld, and I wished he'd return for more films. Yeah, yeah, I like Pleasance as Blofeld. Yeah, good. and Wyrick was not a menacing-looking guy, yeah. so I, I can understand that. Now, the reason I believe that the second reason is the right reason, because of the scene where Bond comes into the volcano in the astronaut suit and meets Blofeld. You can see a tuft of gray hair just above the top of Blofeld's chair when Bond meets Blofeld. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this is Wyrick. We hear him say, allow me to introduce myself. And then we see Donald's Pleasant's face and bald head. Okay, so after On Her Majesty's Secret Service and Savalas' bald head, we get a full head of hair than Diamonds Are Forever with Charles Gray as the actor. Mm-hmm. This was the last time we saw Blofeld before this scene in this For Your Eyes Only pre-title sequence. And, of course, they couldn't call him Blofeld. And he's bald here. Now, he is played by actor John Hollis. And then, in Never Say Never Again, McClory, and remember earlier I said, what's McClory going to do? They're going to kill Blofeld off here. McClory said, the heck with that. I've got the rights to the Blofeld name. And he brought Blofeld back, played by Max von Sydow, who had a full head of hair. And then, finally, we get Christoph Waltz's Blofeld in the last two Daniel Craig Bond movies. And he also has a head of hair yeah 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 so this guy being bald implying that it's blofeld to me is a little bit of a stretch because the last time we saw blofeld he had a full head of hair yeah so yeah, i thought yeah. this was an odd marker choice the cat is more direct hit for me here 
than the 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 bald head. Yeah. Now, sure. Blofeld has had hair in more movies than he hasn't. Yeah. Plus, I also thought his laughter here. You talked about him laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. out of character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it was just odd to me. It just didn't fit. Yeah. But the hair thing, mm-hmm. I, he could shave his head. He could grow his hair back. It, uh, you know, people do that today. That's all. You know, it's it's a fashion thing. So who knows mm-hmm. what what Blofeld thought was a good idea <laughs> with his hair? Well, I, don't I mean, I think we can get so hung up on timelines and all that, and I think we just have to take it for what it is. Yeah, that's what they want us to do. <laughs> that's a bad movie. You need to. <laughs> yeah, as I said <laughs> yeah. earlier, you know, continuity has never been a really strong suit of Ian Productions from movie to movie. But we have to remember in Diamonds Are Forever, nineteen seventy one. Blofeld had hair, but probably had undergone some plastic surgery too there, Tom. So who knows? Maybe they put hair back, took hair off. And again, it could be a fashion thing. But here in 1981 with the neck brace, maybe he had another near-death experience, maybe breaking his neck again or almost breaking his neck again. So he's got the brace. Who knows? You know, that kind of stuff I can get over. (laughs) All right. Back to the pre-title. The bald guy who is now desperate and fearing for his life pounds on the helicopter door and yells, We can do a deal! I will buy you a delicatessen in stainless steel! <laughs> what? I'll never get that. A delicatessen. <laughs> well, there are stories that Italian mafia members in the old days would offer this as a bribe to get something in exchange. Stainless steel was the best, of course, as a service for deli meats and so on because it is easy to clean, there's no bacteria and so on. So, Many times, storefronts, restaurants, delis, etc., were used as fronts by the mob, the mafia. And this line, because Ian could not use the name Blofeld in this movie because of the McClory lawsuit, as Tom talked about, kind of reduces Blofeld to this kind of thug. And maybe it's a slap, but like you said, Tom at McClory, since Spectre and Blofeld could not be used now by Ian. So, it's also rumored, however, that Albert Cubby Broccoli specifically added this line so i don't know which is true or not but it's interesting see i dislike this line one i think because i don't really understand it so thank you for explaining it and two it rhymes (laughs) 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 i didn't think about that either okay so there, there are a few things in Bond movies that cause controversy among Bond fans. You want to get a Bond fan riled up, bring up the Tarzan yell and octopusy. Uh, now, yeah. for me, I actually don't mind that because if it was me and I was swinging on a vine, I probably would do the same thing uh, there. There's right? an image, well, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one for me even to imagine. Now, and the other one that you get can get Bond fans riled up is the slide whistle in The Man with the Golden Gun during the corkscrew car jump. Mm-hmm. Now, that one isn't my favorite, but there are people who say it ruins the awesomeness of the, the stunt for them. Yeah. And yeah. I just I just don't see that. I, I still think it's a phenomenal stunt. Yeah. Oh, it's so, a phenomenal stunt. No, no, yeah. So these are two things that Bond fans hate, and there are, you know, but there is some controversy with it. But this last line is one of the most inane things I've ever heard. Yeah. And I've yeah. yet to meet a Bond fan who likes it. Yeah, I've heard I've heard discussions on both sides of those other two things, yeah. the octopusy thing and the the man with the golden gun thing. I've never heard a Bond fan who likes this line. No, and really, like we said, who, who understands that line? Really, it, it's yeah. crazy. So now, here here's another thing that really kills me in this 
in this pre-title. Bond looks like he's in a lighthearted mood now. Got the bald man up on the chair and everything else, and the bald man saying uh, stuff to him about the deli and whatever. But Bond reaches out and pats the man on the head. Pats the bald (laughs) man on the head. Come on, keep your hair on, he says. (laughs) But but wait, (laughs) if, if Bond is thinking, I can't call this guy Blofeld because of the lawsuit stuff, but if this is Blofeld, who had his wife killed, would Bond be in this type of almost giddy mood? I- I'm thinking, no. Again, well, doesn't fit in here. Doesn't fit in. I- I'm not sure, because this is 10 years after we uh, saw no. them in Diamonds Are Forever, and in that movie, there was no acknowledgement of Tracy's death. No. And it's been 12 years after her death, so he might just be giddy. He's finally able to exact his revenge. I don't mind him getting his revenge, and Bond would, because he would stick to something as he always wanted to, including in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where he wants to stay on the case to go get Blofeld, right? So, yeah, I, I see that. But the giddy part, no, nah, I don't see the giddy part. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> mm. <sighs> so, our Nofeld actor... Get it? No felt. At least you call him No felt throughout this whole thing. No felt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was actually portrayed by two different people. As Tom said earlier, John Hollis provided the physicality of the role, and voice actor Robert Ritty dubs the voice. It's all a big mix-up, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So back to the pre-title sequence for your eyes only. Yeah. These two elements reducing the great blow felt from previous movies. The Unseen Ones, Donald Pleasance in You Only Live Twice, Telly Savalis from Honor Majesty's Secret Service to just a thug mm. and for Bond to so flippantly deal with finally killing the assumed Blofeld, yeah. who we recall is responsible for Tracy's death, is just weak. This is a terrible treatment of such a serious nemesis and should not have been depicted like this in the pre-title sequence. I agree. Yeah. Just farcical. I, I, I totally agree, but as I said, this is Ian giving two middle fingers to Kevin McClory. I mean, this was two years before McClory was able to release Never Say Never Again, so Ian had to know that was coming. So this is giving it to McClory and ignoring the audience. Sometimes it's not business. It's yeah. strictly personal. Yeah. Well, the death of Tracy was Blofeld's doing in Honor Majesty's Secret Services, driving the car with a neck brace yeah. on, uh, on while Irma Bunch shoots the Aston Martin and kills Tracy. And in the book, Blofeld actually kills Tracy. Right, right. But to reduce this solemn moment, Bond's memory of Tracy and him visiting the gravesite at the beginning of this pre-title sequence, which was great, poignant, and everything else, mm. to this almost amusing and lighthearted nonsense was a mistake. Yeah, maybe you wanted to get back at McClory a bit. Okay, we get it. But wow, what started as a spectacular pre-title sequence ends like a comical spoof. We see a very well done and solemn reference to Bond's previous marriage to Tracy in License to Kill in 1989. For your eyes only, had the chance to have this spectacular moment for the first time. And they blew it. Put me mm-hmm. down, put me down, the bald man is yelling. And Bond, inappropriately smiling again, says, oh, you want to get off? Okay, we see the chimney, and we know what's going to happen. Yeah, Bond gets his revenge. He dumps him down the chimney as we hear an echoing and fading, Mr. Bond, Mr. Bond, Mr. Bond, as he's falling <laughs> down the chimney, and he disappears, never to be seen again. Well, at least not in this movie. <laughs> Then the title sequence rolls, and it starts 
with the music of one of the best Bond title songs for Your Eyes Only by Sheena Easton. I love this one. One of my favorites. And she's on screen singing it in the title sequence, which is pretty unusual. Yeah, yeah. She made Bond history by being the first artist to appear in a title sequence. And I read that the band Blondie were approached to record the song. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard this before. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh, we have the, that's that's an interesting rumor for me. Yeah. yeah, of course. We have the official for your eyes only secret intelligence meaning of secret documents, and this is a love song, beautifully sung with wonderful lyrics, a nice dictomony. Yeah, I like yes. the song. Well, in the title sequence, of course, we have the naked, silhouetted women moving sensuously about and rolling and morphing colors. Water, water plays a big part in this movie, and Bond with a gun, silhouettes, and so on. We see a silhouette of a long-barreled pistol, very similar to the one we saw on the poster and production shots that Bond holds in From Russia With Love, which was not the Walter PPK or anything close. Here, the gun turns with the barrel pointed straight up and a silhouetted woman appears from the top, dropping to the bottom with both hands around the barrel as she descends. Hmm. (laughs) And then... A white kind of foamy thing appears above the gun barrel, kind of morphing into a naked woman, lit partially with light, but not completely. But I thought, okay. All right, that's a good title sequence piece. (laughs) Yeah, see, I actually thought this was a very boring title sequence. In general, it was. The song is good, but except for the silhouettes, not much happens. Yes. I mean, they liked Sheena Easton, so they showed her a lot here. Yes, they showed her too much there, I think. Now, the one thing in it that did crack me up was there's a point where the gun barrel almost gets shoved into Sheena Easton's mouth. I'm not sure what they were implying there. Yeah, I don't no. either, Tom. Yeah, and, and I don't see the foam thing you're talking about. To me, that was just the woman appearing. It didn't appear as foam to me, but Well, okay, this, it, it, it morphed into this being from this kind of, I'll call it a foamy image of a woman that... <laughs> Alright, then, <laughs> then then we head into the sea in a fishing boat, the St. George, and For Your Eyes Only begins. Alright, one of our favorite Roger Moore Bond movies for sure. Some great acting here by the non-regulars, Carol Bouquet, Topol, Julian Glover, Cassandra Harris, and Lynn Holly Johnson. A pre-title that has great moments and moments that should be cut out as we discussed. I don't know. What do you think out there? Let us know. Well, I'm going to be controversial. I always like to throw a controversial element in (laughs) and say that I'm not a real fan of this Bond film. I prefer Roger in The Spy Love Me and Live and Let Die. Yes. I don't get all the love for Carol Bouquet. She's all hair and no substance for me. (laughs) I do like (laughs) Topol, though, and I think his Columbo character is one of the best allies outside of Kerim Bay in From Russia with love. That's my rant over. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Topol is great. I, I think he's terrific carol bouquet does get bashed a lot vicky she does i agree but my take on her character is that her parents were just killed and she has that in her head the whole time and is why her character and her personality are more focused on revenge and so a bit shallower than some character depth development that they could have done but i do like her hair (laughs) 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 and everything else really Mickey, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to kind of straddle in the middle here. Yeah. I think the movie was a much better movie than this pre-title sequence was. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying it's the best Roger Moore movie of all times. 
No. But it's definitely better than this pre-title sequence. One of the top three, <laughs> I think, Roger Moore outings. I, I agree. It's by Love Me, Live and Let Die were the two other favorites of Roger Moore as Bond. All right. So you can tell we really love this pre-title sequence. <laughs> <laughs> it's poignant. <laughs> it's poignant and silly. Mostly silly. All right. That's a wrap. This has been Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. And Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. All the links are on our website. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.